Hello, film lovers. Well, it's been one hell of a year so far, but fear not. The cinemas have reopened, Hollywood has switched back on the cameras, and the streaming services are pumping out content like there's no tomorrow. If you need a shining light to guide you through the latest releases or help you discover a new classic movie gem, then you've come to the right place. We're back. Whap out those cinematic snacks and welcome to the return of the Films I Love Most podcast. Hello film lovers and welcome to the London Film Festival special of the Films I Love Most podcast. We have got some little treats for you in this extra special episode. So this is how it's going to work. So I have chosen my three top films from the festival this year. Obviously, we couldn't go to the festival because of the pandemic. So they have allowed some films to be released on BFI player so these are the films that we will be reviewing I've chosen my top three films but also as a little treat for you I have chosen the top three films from last year's festival so you can go and find these films because they would have been released in other mediums by now i.e on Amazon Prime or on Blu-ray and DVD So you can go and find these films and watch them. So you've got my top three for this year. And also we will be looking back at my top three for last year. So all in all, we'll be reviewing six films in this podcast. I hope you enjoy something a little bit different. Obviously, normally when we do our film festival special, we're there. We're in the middle of it. We're talking to people. You know, there's a buzz. We're in the cinema. We're watching 40 films, you know, in two weeks. But this year has been very, very different. So enjoy my top three films of this year's festival and my top three films from last year. Okay, so the film we will be kicking off with today is Lynn and Lucy, directed by Faisal Bolifa and starring Nicola Burley and Casey Ainsworth. So Lynn and Lucy are longtime best friends and their relationship is intense as with any sort of romance. Um, Neither have ventured far from when they grew up, and Lynn, who married her first boyfriend and whose daughter is growing up fast, is delighted when the charismatic, volatile Lucy has her first baby boy. But Lucy, however, does not react to being a mother as Lynn expects, and soon they find their friendship is tested by extreme circumstances. Now, that is a sort of overarching synopsis of the film i found this a film very very heavy going um social realism it's definitely probably the most naturalistic film i've seen in a very very long time along the lines of i daniel blake by ken loach and also anything mike lee but with less humor this film is very stripped bare there is no music um, very little sort of 
cinema cinema tricks and very little sort of cinematography that would make it stand out in a way where you'd think well that's a really interesting way to film something it's very much kitchen sink but don't be deceived by that phrase when I say kitchen sink I mean naturalistic and realistic there it, it is a very very hard watch at times what really pulls it through though is uh, the performances with Roxanne Scrimshaw playing Lynn and Nicola Burley playing Lucy. Now, this really is a story of friends disconnecting. It's very difficult because a certain event happens, not trying to spoil the film, but an event happens to Lucy which really sort of splits the audience opinion and definitely splits Lynn's opinion of her best friend. And with outside influences playing a huge part in trying to break these two friends disconnect them and it's very difficult to watch at times there is a scene that takes place in the salon where Lynn works involving Lucy which is I actually didn't take my eyes off the screen for the four hundred um, one hour and 26 minutes and I found myself, I sort of reality checked myself at the point in that salon scene and my jaw was open. It was like I was genuinely shocked by the events that were happening and completely and utterly drawn in by the story and the characters, which really says something because this isn't usually my genre to watch, but I was absolutely entranced by it, by the story. Like I said before, there's no sort of cinema tricks, no sort of sweeping, you know, director of photography making these big sweeping gestures. Not at all. It's very small and intimate. And I think that makes it even more hard hitting and at times very disturbing. The character of Lynn is an interesting one because the performance itself could be seen as not acted enough. Some might say that um, that Roxanne Scrimshaw is not actually a very good actress, but she is because the way that she plays that character is so so, sort of underplayed that that really lends to the realism of the piece. I was trying to get my head around the fact that it was almost a, let's say, A-level drama performance. But she obviously, as an actress, has done a lot of research, or she comes from that sort of background, to know so much about her character and to portray that to an audience, I think was absolutely outstanding. And the cast really do play this in such a way that I, you could be watching a documentary. And I find that really, really interesting. And I absolutely loved the film. I thought it was, it was just gripping. I could not take my eyes off the screen for the full running time. And I thought it was excellent. A lot of social issues, a lot of issues involving child abuse, spouse abuse, uh, poverty... Um, modern relationships, open relationships, a lot of sort of social 
discussion going on in this film and I really really liked that and could engaging it it's a completely different film to what I thought it was going to be when I saw it in the poster Lynn and Lucy you know I was thinking maybe it could go down the lines of an LGBTQ movie but I was totally wrong totally blown away and I think it is an outstanding piece of cinema and you can watch Lynn and Lucy now on the BFI player and you can get seven days a whole week as a trial for free and then it's 4 99 a month so what a great deal Lynn and Lucy catch it now freedom at last cheers Woo! I've known Lucy since we was both 11 shaving the tattoos Whilst I was up to my elbows and nappies, Lucy has been scraped from the club floors. So although it took a while, I'm thrilled that she is now a mum. Thanks, she said. I just can't clear my head. What? Do you ever wonder if you'd be able to love him? Lucy, no one said it'd be easy. to talk about what happened. I was in a state then. People are just talking about it. I was quite popular with the blokes, weren't she? We just don't know what she's capable of. People should know what you've been through. She was never your friend. Do you know that I used to call you at school? The pig. Have a look in there. I see a decent person. So, call me a soppy bugger, but I have chosen the film that affected me emotionally the most at the film festival. I came out of this movie feeling like there was a ball of emotion in my chest. And when I got home, I cried for about 10 minutes. It wasn't an emotion that I could show at the time. It's sort of, as the more I thought about the film and its layers and its relationships, I got home and I just exploded and cried. And I absolutely loved it. And it's being released in the new year. And my number one film of... The London Film Festival 2019 is Waves, directed by Trey Edward Schultz. It is an absolute masterpiece in dealing with the consequences on a family of an, an horrific event, which is dealt with in the first hour and 10 minutes of the movie. The consequences are dealt with with the rest of the running time of the film. But it deals with such raw emotion happiness, sadness, loss, betrayal. It's all mixed in this film and it's absolutely beautiful and played to such perfection. Now, I'm not really up with uh, Trey Edward Schultz's work before this, but I have to say that it is an absolute masterpiece. And I saw it in the Odeon Lux um, with a full audience and there is one moment in the film where 
as a complete audience, we gasped and I could see people crying. And it was a really, really shared experience, which I've never really experienced before in a cinema. And that's why I think I loved it so much. You could just see raw emotion coming from members of the audience, which is fantastic. I mean, with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, we need a release that's safe and comforting for us. And Waves definitely delivers. I would say that Waves is also a film that should be shown in schools from a very early age. Obviously, it's a 15, so it would only be able to be shown at 15. But I think that it's a very important cultural film, especially with the times that we're going through at the moment. And it has a huge message. And I heard it and it really spoke to me, which is why Waves is number one film for me at the London Film Festival 2019. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It doesn't boast. Love also forgets wrong. I will always love you. How I do. It's been hard, hasn't it? Let go of a prayer for you. How you doing with everything? I'm good. Just a sweet word. You know, it's okay if you're not. The table is prepared for you. I'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world. It's not easy out there. Everything I do is for you. Everything. I know you're under a lot of pressure right now, but I'm just getting really scared. But you'll have this place to call home. Everything's gonna be okay, all right? Always. We're in this together. So next up is Coca D Cocoda, a film that I watched this morning and it's still with me. It's lingering, it's a hovering over my head. I haven't quite shaken it off yet. It's a psychological thriller from director Johannes Nyholm. Um it's a Dutch Swedish, I think, collaboration. And it's about um, a couple who go on a trip to try and find their way back to each other after a devastating event occurs. And a sideshow artist and his shady entourage emerge from the woods, terrorising them and luring them deeper into the maelstrom of psychological terror and humiliating slapstick. I have to say... This film was pitched to me by a friend as being too much, being way over the top, being extremely violent and also containing sexual violence, which I am not a fan of in film at all. In fact, if a film usually has any sexual violence, I do not 
um, watch it. It's not my thing at all. I must say, I was quite shocked by the violence in this film, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So if you're if you've heard a similar thing that this film is is ultra violent in a way of say Clockwork Orange, um, it's not that bad. It's still bad, but not that bad. There's a huge fairy tale element to this film, something in the woods. And the fact that it's, you know, takes place in sort of uh, Norlandic settings, it has that extra magic, you know, of like trolls and and fairies and things. There's something very otherworldly going on here. The performances are strong. Um, I mean, it's very difficult to judge performances in a film like this because... The, the actors themselves are pretty much just acting pure terror. But I found it very amicable that they were in the situations that they were put in by the director and the story to perform those roles. They, it, it was brilliant. It was really well done. So let's go into the film now. The film starts with a family tragedy... The first quarter of the film, I think, is absolutely impeccable. It is really well done. When the event happens, it is devastating. And I was watching the film with a friend and I was like, oh, my God, I did, really did not expect it. It really knocked me for six, actually, the um, the event that happens that sort of pushes the rest of the story forward. Um, the couple, after the event, three years later, go on a camping trip they pitch their tent and that's when the nightmare begins where you have the sideshow artists and characters really tormenting and really trying to split the characters up and and torture them and and that for me I do have a a sort of solid reason why that is going on because when the characters die the husband wakes up in exactly the same scenario and the same thing happens again the sideshow characters turn up and they attack them again and it happens like four or five times within the film so it is quite a weird mix i think um i can't remember who it was but mark kermo said a friend of his said that it was a strange mix between funny games and groundhog day and i would say that that's actually not a bad description you've got the violence you've got the um the you know not being able to understand the motives of the two of the sorry the sideshow uh, characters like you can't understand the, the motives of the boys from funny games but then you have the time element of repetition from groundhog day which works really well there are some absolutely stunning um shadow puppet sequences in this film there's two quite prolonged sequences which are just beautifully done and really really have an emotional impact on you especially the second one um they tell pretty much the story of the film but using very simple techniques of shadow puppetry and i w- i will say that i was absolutely entranced i thought it was such a good use of that medium and that artistic device within the film the music as well adds to that a lot the music in those puppet sequences is beautiful really beautiful so 
rounding up my review for Kokodi Kokoda, I will say I the the issues I had with it mainly were in the repetition because I didn't feel like that we were learning much about what was going on in each time we were we were repeating the scenario but in the last time that we get to see the characters it really came together for me it's a story of grief of loss of mourning of a couple that have suffered such a loss in their lives that the two people that they really need well the person that they really need is each other but unfortunately as happens with a lot of situations like this private grief can push you further away from the person that you really need and I do feel that that is what this film is about it's about waking up every morning and having that shadow of grief and mourning over you and having to fight through the day to try and get yourself through another day through another day and I do think that that is a very strong element to this film so even though it does appear on the outside to be uh, an horrific funny games like film I do think that if you go deeper and deeper under the layers there is actually something quite profound there and I really really liked that so Coco de Coco da for me is definitely a standout film I was thoroughly entranced by it especially the shadow puppetry scenes and I would recommend it to anybody but beware there are some quite strong scenes of violence but you can watch Coco de Coco da now on BB, BFI, not the BBC iPlayer. You can't watch it there. You can watch it on the BFI player. Enjoy. som behövs ju en kvadratmeter planmark. Kan du sakta ner?
finally, finally, everyone in the whole world can see the lighthouse. I'm so excited for you guys to get out there and see it. You know that I've been raving about it for a long time because I got to see it at the London Film Festival. I saw the premiere with um, Robert Defoe giving a little bit of talk and Robert Eggers also giving a little bit of a speech at the opening. Oh my goodness, this film is amazing. So the basically the premise is two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity whilst living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. Robert Patterson and William Defoe are powerhouses in this film. It is an incredible feat. I'm really, really honestly surprised that William Defoe has not been nominated for a Best Actor award for this movie, because he is amazing in it. And it is just so odd and so clever and unlike anything I've ever seen that you have to go out and see it. It's just a masterpiece and it's all in black and white. There are some scenes in it that are very, very disturbing. I must warn you now, it is not for the faint-hearted. But also, you know, with Robert Eggers' first film, The Witch, there's just an atmosphere that is created that I have never experienced. And this is what I was talking about when I was reviewing The Grudge. The Lighthouse builds this environment that these characters are existing in. And it is so hopeless and so, you know, so remote. And there's no one coming. And things just escalate and escalate. And you can feel the... the the temperature and the emotions rising until they come to a head. And the last scene of this film will haunt me until the day I die. It is absolutely incredible. And I please, please urge you to get out and see The Lighthouse if you can. I know it's got a limited release, but I'm sure that you can find it somewhere. Or just wait for it to become available on Blu-ray or DVD. The Lighthouse will be one of those cult classics that will be talked about for years and years to come. It will be like The Exorcist and Suspiria and all those kind of movies. So don't miss out on this piece of cinematic history and get out there and see The Lighthouse as soon as possible. And I give it a 10 out of 10, of course. Timberman want with being a wiki. Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans?
weeks? Two days? Help me to recollect. Have spoken about this film on the Films I Love Most podcast before, but now it's had its official release and I'm very, very excited that you guys are going to get to go and see it. I saw this at a press screening for the fil- for the London Film Festival and I saw it about two, three weeks before it was actually shown at the festival. So I saw it quite early on and it blew me away. And the film, of course, is Monos. Now, I have spoken about it. I know some of you are probably like, oh, we know what you said, but I'm reevaluating it because it is now available to you. Monos is directed by um, Aldrero Landis, and I described it last time as a bit like Apocalypse Now for kids. But when I say for kids, I mean that kids are in it. It's not a film for kids. I have to really stress that. And the mood the cinematography, the music, the acting, the locations, everything for this movie came together for me. I thought it was an absolute masterpiece. I watched it with the same sort of mindset as I watched Apocalypse Now and it has that vastness, it has that sort of military intelligence about it but it also has this very strange air of mystery. We don't really know what world that these kids exist in is it our world is it in the future is it in the past it's very timeless this story and that's what I really really enjoyed about it and also the scenes set in the jungle are so well made it's like gorilla cinema it's you you see some of the actors which are kids young adults in such precarious situations that you think how did they get away with filming that like there's a scene in the movie set um, where some kids fall in the rapids and you're watching it thinking but that's them in those rapids like it's so dangerous it's almost like health and safety has completely gone out the window um some people would think that's a good idea but it's really really good it's really well made and it's beautiful and i think it would be um for my nephew's generation it will be apocalypse now and i'm i'm not that's not an understatement it's it's seriously one of the well best films i've seen in a very long time and it's so well made and it won best film at the london film festival so that just shows you how good this film is i'm so passionate about this movie i think everybody should see it and if you're really interested in film that you then you will not see a better film this year than monos and i give monos 10 out of 10 because it's a masterpiece.
So now it's time for my pick of the London Film Festival 2020, my best film, and it is And Then We Danced, this beautiful Jordan film directed by Levin Aiken, who has obviously pulled his heart into this movie because it is one of the most gorgeous, um, well-executed love stories slash rivalry and vigorous dancing. It's just absolutely brilliant. So a passionate coming-of-age tale amidst the conservative confines of modern Georgia. The film follows Mirab, a competitive dancer, who is thrown off balance by the arrival of Irikali, a a fellow male dancer with a rebellious streak. I'm sorry, I'm getting very carried away. I'm very, very passionate about this film. I think that um, it's obviously... Georgia's not a country that I know much about. I did have to research the the laws about um, LGBT community in Georgia. And it seems that um, it's frowned upon, but not banned or not... You know, it's not an extreme view on it. But there is a lot of discrimination against LGBT people. And the two main actors, Mirab... Who, who play Mirab and Irikali, uh Levin, Joel Bakaini and Baki um, Valishvini. I'm sorry if I'm giving the word, the names are not perfectly pronounced. Georgian's quite a difficult language. But what I really loved about this film was you think it's going to be one thing and then it turns into something completely different. You think it's going to be a film about rivalry, about tension, about fighting for this top position in this Georgian dance group. Uh, Basically, one of the um, main dancers is fired and therefore opens up a space for one of the ensemble dancers to come and take a principal part. And the two main characters, Mirab and um, Arikali are pitted against each other for this top position. But they find that they have feelings for each other. And as their relationship develops and they grow closer, you realise that these feelings are not just as friends, but they fall in love with each other. And it's it's done beautifully. There, there is an element of uh, Call Me By Your Name, in there which is one of my favorite films um as most of you know i am a gay man so when i watch a film like this i can definitely relate to it more than i would if it was a you know a straight couple i can definitely relate to this more the 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 feeling of i mean these are universal feelings i'm not just saying that they're feelings that a gay man would feel but watching this i can definitely see the passion and the desire that mirab has for and the pain that you go through when you start that relationship and it's forbidden because the principal dancer who got removed got removed because it was found out that he was having a relationship with a man so obviously there's the tension that um, if they are found out that it's a possibility that they would not get an audition for top job and there's that running through it you know and he and Mirab is played just beautifully, so much subtlety in that character. And his friends, one of his friends, sees him one um, one evening um, in the company of 
of other LGBT people and therefore he is mocked when they go back to the dance school um he is vigorously mocked and called a lot of um of homophobic slurs which is obviously you know it really affects him and and he's so in love and he can't show that love or tell anyone about it and can't find solace and he's got this weight on his shoulders and halfway through the film Erichilli disappears and the pain you can just see it like and you can feel it everyone in must have had this feeling at some point where you know someone that you just want to be with and close to and and hold and love and they just they're not there and it and it hurts it hurts deep down in your core and the way that that is expressed and played um in the character of Mirab is absolutely heartbreaking i felt for him all the way through literally my my heart was hurting it was so so good and it's filmed beautifully and the dance um, element of the movie is impeccable it really is um i don't know much about georgian dances um i've seen you know clips before but um the dance itself is meant to represent masculinity when the man dances you know and i think that that's another element of the film you've got um Mirab, who is obviously coming to terms with his sexuality, a society that sees him being a member of the LGBT community as demasculating, and yet he's got to portray this masculine persona when he's dancing. And, you know, the dance teacher says to him, Georgian dancing is about being masculine. And you can see the conflict in Mirab's head because even though he is a man and he's masculine, He's gay. And, you know, the society sees that as the opposite to masculine. So he's really, really fighting a lot of um, opposing forces in this film. And I'm really passionate about that. And I really, really love the way that it's done. And the music and the dancing, you know, it's just beautiful to watch. If you, if you know, even if you're not interested in the themes and, and, issues within the film which you will be you'll get completely swept up in it it's such a gorgeous story of of um sort of self discovery and you know what is it what is it like to be in love for the first time but if you the dance and the music element is just something else extra to really really enjoy absolutely fantastic i loved this movie um as you can probably tell and it is my pick of the London Film Festival this year. And you can watch um, And Then We Danced on the BFI player. If you sign up, you get a week free. And then it's 4 99 from then onwards. But um, I think that's brilliant value for money. And if you do sign up, then please, please make And Then We Danced be the very first film you watch. Because it is totally worth it. I am in love with this movie. And I give it 10 out of 10. And Then We Danced is my film of the festival 2020. <laughs> Bitch, you are a little bit of a shame to start over the year. You got to share, huh? 
Sami, odchyť, a už. Samarďová. Vyjde na chrč. Iť si sadmo, chvedy. Kartul nacionálu rancámu. Mereme ich ceny, jak sa bude. Čo, ale stôra tak je to. Môžu sa čúdať aj sami, da idkej, nové garice. Ես ախալի Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast London Film Festival special. I know it's been a little bit different from last year, but I do hope that you have enjoyed it and that, that it has inspired you to go and hunt these films out and watch them because they are absolutely fantastic. You can find any of the movies that we've spoken about today on Amazon Prime or if they're from this year's film festival, the BFI Player. So please go and hunt those out you will not be disappointed thank you very very much don't forget if you're listening to this in the week of halloween on the 31st of october we have our halloween special so hold on to your broomsticks for that so thank you for joining us and i will see you next time on the films i love most podcast Thank you for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search Films I Love Most podcast. And you can also email us your own reviews and recommendations at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com. Stay safe, wear a mask and BLM. And we'll see you next week here on the Films I Love Most podcast. Oh,